Well, hello and welcome to Growing Up with Papa. My name is Jason Ashley and I'm your host and Papa to about a dozen of the best kids in the world. We'll be tackling everything from bullfrogs to nursing home residents and talking about all the stuff that we've learned along the way. So if you're all grown up, then well, you know how important it is during the quiet, alone times in your life to be to be able to be happy with who you are and have a peace with decisions that you've made. And you might know how tough it is to live with shame and scars because, well, you didn't have somebody to help point you in the right direction. Well, it takes a lot of love and some heavy-duty, hands-on commitment to help point kids in the right direction. And we hope you get on board and enjoy this wild ride we call Growing Up with Papa. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. You thought we were missing in action, but we're back. We just skipped a week. What do you think about us? Bad, ain't it, Isaac? We'll pretend like you're Baby Bandit this time. Was it it bad, Baby Bandit? Uh, Yep. (laughs) Now, Isaac's here with me, and we are at the camp. Now, the camp is a little place we got on the water we've had a long time. And every time we get to come down here and spend time, it's so relaxing, so fun. The kids have a blast swimming in the muddy water, jumping off the pier. But it's a place to come and just get away for a day or two. On the front porch, I'm talking about out here with a fan on, mamaws on the big pier, catfishing. Got the tight lining in the water. Isaac has been ripping, raring, jumping, swimming all day. Been jumping off the high beer, ain't you, ain't you, Isaac? Yep. So tell us about how many times you reckon you jumped off that high pier today? Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, seven. About seven times? Yeah. That's a lot. And that's a tall pier. How, how tall do you think it is? Mm, nine foot. It's more than that. Ten foot. I think a little higher. What you think? Twelve foot. Well, that's pretty close. About twelve foot high. My mom's sitting on the end of it right now. Got her pole in the water. She is kind of she's she's getting some well needed relaxation. She's been doing schooling forever, and that's that's interrupted our whole lives, ain't it, Isaac? Yeah. <laughs> You can do Baby Bandit when you want to, dude. Come on. How about it, Baby Bandit? Do you think that's interrupted our lives? Yep. <laughs> Speaking of Baby Bandit, now we're going to talk about Baby Bandit today. Me and Isaac has been all over the world touring. I mean, me and Baby Bandit has. We've been doing some children's services in three different locations lately. Actually, he didn't go with me to one of them. But Baby Bandit is... None other than Brother Reverend Isaac Phillips from right here in Bela, Louisiana. Today we're on the porch at the camp, drug the equipment out, trying to squeeze in a podcast because we just cannot find time. We have had, oh man, we have had kids services. We have had super church. We've had camp meeting services. And we finally just took a day and come down here, and they've been swimming, jumping, tubing. Went tubing, didn't you, baby bandit? I liked it. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for hair and a biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we gonna pull out and check out before we go any further. Alright, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a biscuit. Hair and a biscuit time. For our hair and a biscuit today, since we're down here to camp, I want to tell a story that's kind of water fishing camp related. So several years ago, I think I was in my early 20s, I had a 14-foot aluminum boat, a four-horse mercury motor that didn't run half the time. It left me stranded several occasions. And I had to paddle back, sometimes against the wind for a long ways. And that may be another hair and a biscuit story. So I had decided I wanted to put a trot line in the Washita River uh, near where my grandfather, my papa, had a boat landing on Bayou Dan. And it wasn't far to the Washita River, and I stretched me a trot line out across there. I think I drug me some crawfish baited it up, probably about 50 hooks. This particular trot line, I remember the water was high and I didn't go across the river. And when you got a lot of current in a river like that, it's hard to, it takes a real big line, a lot of weights, and still it may break on you. When you got a lot of current, the best thing to do is running alongside the banks and the bushes. So it was a, a summer morning a work day. I had baited one evening, and I had to be in West Monroe, which is about an hour and 10 minutes straight drive from my house, early that morning. I'm talking about like, maybe like five in the morning, I had to be there early. And so I wanted to run this trot line before work. So I got up super early, and I was like in the water at like four in the morning, way before daylight. I think my boat was already there at the water, but I got in the water, and I had turned my light on, and I realized real quick that that light was doing a whole lot more harm than it was good because it was super-duper foggy. I'm talking about when you turn the light on, you could see nothing, absolutely nothing. And it was pitch black that night. It was really no moon, foggy. You couldn't even see stars. I guess it was, I don't know, but it was, it was, you couldn't see nothing. Well, as determined as I was, I still decided I could probably make it down that bayou, through the mouth of that bayou, out into the Washita turn and go up through there and maybe find the end of that trot line in the pitch black dark with no light. So here I go, and I could kind of look up into the skyline and see a tree every once in a while against uh, what little bit of maybe moonlight, I don't know, it was, but that's the only way I could even tell where I was at, I was kind of looking up. I thought in the middle while I was doing it how crazy I was but I wanted to run that trot line so bad. So I've, I've seen the opening in the skyline about four that morning, putting along there in that four horse mercury and turned out into that big river. And I could tell I was in the river. So then I went about as far as I thought I needed to go. And I got a stick or my hand and started feeling around in the water just blindly. 
Remember, I could not turn a light on. I couldn't turn a headlight. I couldn't turn a flashlight on for nothing. Because it would just, you couldn't see nothing in front of you if you did that. So I was feeling around in the water, and I felt a snag that I thought maybe the trot line was tied to. And I was just blindly feeling around in this dark, foggy, pitch black water when all of a sudden I thought the world exploded up under me. <laughs> you see, what happened was there were some beavers close. And if you ever scare a beaver, if they ever feel threatened, they come to the top of the water and they slap the top of the water with their tail. And it sounds like a rifle going off. It is super loud. And this beaver popped the top of the water with his tail right in front of me. And I had no idea even where I was sticking my hands. <laughs> and I'm feeling around for this trot line. And then all of a sudden, kaloosh. And I almost had a heart attack when <laughs> I finally realized what it was. And then another kaloosh. And I was kind of all right then. I, I said, oh, that's just a beaver. And I spooked him. Well, I fooled around there and found the trot line. And in the dark, I couldn't turn the light on, remember? So I'm feeling this jerking on this trot line. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I've ever caught that good on a trot line. There was a fish at least on every other hook. And I filled the ice chest up, took them to work, and we skinned them at work. And it was one of the best catches I've ever had on a trot line. In the dark, in the fog, no light, groping around, putting around, looking up at the sky, hoping I didn't hit a snag or run in the bank. Finally got back to my truck, got to West Monroe, made it to work on time, like 5, 36 o'clock in the morning. Crazy. So I think today we're just going to talk about what we did while you was baby bandit. So we come back and we had Super Church Sunday morning. What do you think people like the most about Baby Bandit? <laughs> oh, that face. They can't see your face. Tell us about what your face was. I like opened my mouth. Oh, said, yeah. We was on this <gasps> ladder. I mean, climbing this mountain. We was on this fake mountain halfway up, and we both got scared. And he had this face. His eyes was real big. His mouth was hanging open. And he was scared. Rubber Bandit was scared. But our lesson was about setting our affections on things above and not on things on the earth. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians 3 and 2. And we started off, Isaac, you remember I drug my drone out and we flew it in the church. And we let everybody see themselves from above, didn't we? Yep. But we couldn't go any further because of the ceiling. So we went outside, and we had it on the big screen, and we showed the drone going higher and higher and higher. And we was able to see Walmart from the church. We was able to see the high school. We could even see Catahoula Lake if you go up very far. You see all this stuff that you couldn't see before, and your perspective changed from above. And that's where God wants us to set everything is above. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Now, all the kingdom of God is above, but all these other things, these earthly things, are beneath 
are on the earth. And Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So we decided that we was going to take everything and we was going to set it above. We was going to the top of that mountain, wasn't we, Isaac? Yep. So we had this pipe and we had these balls that represented our affection. And we carried them to the top of this mountain and we dropped them in this pipe and... If God wanted to change the color of the ball, he changed the color of the ball. And if he, did, if he wanted to keep the ball and take it away from us, if he didn't want us to have that affection, he would just keep it, didn't he, Isaac? Yep. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? And then one time, we've seen what really happened when we give God all our affection. So many more balls come out the bottom. We talked about some of the things that we have affection towards that God don't care if we have them or not, so he gives them back to us, but we still need to run them by him. And some things, though, he changed the colors of them. And some things he kept all to himself because we didn't need them. And we talked about a few people in the Bible who decided that they were not going to set their affection on things above. They had the opportunity. The rich young ruler, he said, I just can't climb that mountain and drop my ball in that hole. And he went away sorrowful. Right, Brother Isaac? Yep. There was a guy, there was some people named Ananias and Sapphira that didn't put all of their affection into the kingdom. They held some back. And it was bad news for them. A guy named Achan done the same thing. He hid, hid his in the tent. And all of them suffered greatly because of that. We also talked about some people in the Bible who really wanted to hold on to their affections but they decided anyway to go ahead and give them to God. Like a woman named Hannah, she loved this baby that she prayed so hard for and she cried about. She decided to give him back to God. And that, that sacrifice, God took that affection that she gave to him. He was able to deliver all of Israel and judge all of Israel through that baby named Samuel. There was another woman. She was a widow. She gave her last little bit of bread to the man of God. And God was able to take that sacrifice because she set her affections above. And it fed her for many, many more days. And there was a little boy that come up and he'd give all the fishes and all the loaves that he had. And Jesus was able to take that and feed him and thousands more. And a man named Abraham. Abraham had one son, and he climbed a mountain, kind of like me and Baby Bandit climbed, and he gave his son. That was his greatest affection. He loved this boy named Isaac, but God gave him back to him. And through his son, there was a great nation born, and his seed was like the sands of the sea, the stars of the sky. But when we get up high, our perspective changes you know, that's why the devil took Jesus way up high on a pinnacle and he showed him the earth because he was trying to change his perspective. That's why Balak took Balaam to the top of the mountain to look at things, to get him to change his mind about what he thought about blessing or cursing Israel. When we get way up high, things look different, but it takes faith to climb that mountain. When we give all of our love, he gives it back so much more. All of our money, he gives it back so much more. When we give our whole lives, he gives it back so much more. You know, Jesus climbed that mountain, 
and he gave us all of his life. But what he gave, we got so much more life. We have all have the opportunity to have life because Jesus set his affections on things above. When you hear that sound, that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit. Because there's more in there than just horse feed. <laughs> hey, hey, horse feed time. And since we're down here at the camp on the porch enjoying the breeze, and I've got another little horse feed story that goes right along with camp life. Now, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half, me and Sister Mama Bandit acquired another camp, a one-acre lot with a house on it, on, on this lake that, we're, that we have our camp on, uh, just a couple of miles up the road from where we are right now. I traded some land for it and had high hopes of just actually just recently sold it. So when we bought the property, we met the neighbors. And they were the friendliest. I'm talking about, they were like, if you could have interviewed everybody down here and decided you wanted the best neighbor, they would probably be it. This guy had like lots of power tools and any kind of tools you could imagine. And he insisted that I use anything that I needed, wanted, don't ask, just go dig through his shop. The lady was constantly giving us chicken eggs and vegetables and they were so friendly and always helping mowed some of the lot for us just out of the goodness of their heart very good people but i noticed when i first met the lady that she had an accent and i could tell that she wasn't from around here or so i thought so after a few times of meeting them and we've become friends a little bit i asked her what her accent was and where where she originated from and this is a very interesting story Here's what she told me. Several years back, she had a heat stroke in her house. She had been mowing her uh, the lot bank down close to the water, down the hill with a push mower and got overheated. And I think it was the next day that she was in her house and she realized that something was wrong. She was, she was getting incoherent. She realized that her mind was not working right. Her body wasn't responding right. So she knew she needed to get some help, and she was home alone. Her husband was off working. So she picked up the phone, and she couldn't remember a telephone number. She couldn't remember how to dial the phone. So after a long time of sitting and trying to think and think, she said actually what she was doing was having a stroke. She said she remembered the number of the guys that work on a farm across the road, so she dialed it, and she rang their phone, and they answered, and she couldn't even speak. She was like, she could make noise, but she couldn't make a, she couldn't form a, a word or a sentence. She could only make noise. And they realized something was wrong. So they ran over to her house. The door was actually locked. She couldn't even, she was immobile. They had to break into her house, got her to the hospital, and realized she had had a stroke, and she had lost her ability to speak, along with uh walking and a lot of things that your stroke affects that part of your mind. So she spent a lot of time in therapy learning. She said she had to relearn how to speak again. That's crazy how your mind works, that you grew up knowing something or learning something, and then all of a sudden a 
damage happens to a part of your brain and you lose all of that ability. So it's just like trying to teach a newborn baby how to speak. So her speech therapists had accents. <laughs> yep. So one of them was one of them was a lady from Germany, I think she said. And the other was a lady. She had some Cajun, French, uh, mixture accent on her. So the words that she learned and the way she learned to pronounce words, she picked up from her speech therapists. And to this day, she speaks like she learned to speak in therapy. The southern drawl that she may have had before was gone. And now she, she speaks like the therapist that taught her to form words and to make syllables and how to pronounce vowels. She picked up on their accent. Now, I know somewhere there's a sermon in that, and there's a message that could be preached. So if you come down by you, Louie, and drive down Rock Road, and you see a lady out in the yard mowing or taking care of her flowers or feeding her chickens, it could be Miss Tammy. Just stop and talk to her for a minute and realize that, that her accent was acquired secondhand and not from the place where she was raised and not from the people she, she was raised around and not from the, her mom and daddy that taught her how to speak was a young girl, but she acquired the accent of her therapists. Now, Brother Baby Bandit, he might be going with me some more, some more in the future. You ready to roll, Baby Bandit? Yep. Man, if you ain't picked it up by now, that's the only word Brother Baby Bandit ever says. Ain't that right, Baby Bandit? Yep. My mom's waving at the boats going by. She got Abigail on the pier. Still ain't rolled no fiddlers in here yet. All right, Isaac, you ready to get out of this rat hole? No. You ain't ready yet? All right, well. Let's just get out of here anyway. <laughs>